Hi, I'm Jeremy Wagner, General Manager of the new Lloydminster Nissan. You're probably wondering and some have asked, why is it still the new Lloydminster Nissan? Quite simply, we're excited to bring things forward that we consider new to a car dealership. We're proud to support the community through a one-of-a-kind live broadcast with Kirk Price that focuses on events, people, and issues that concern our community. We're proud to work with other businesses to promote local agriculture, our heavy oil industry, and entrepreneurs. We give back to the community through sponsorships and our employees are encouraged to and excited to volunteer and help in the community. We're the proud new sponsors of the CPCA's Chuck Wagon Finals and the CPCA Pro Tour. And of course, we're always excited for our lineup of new Nissan vehicles with great new features. And our new to you lineup is just as impressive. We're proud to be the new Lloydminster Nissan. We'll keep looking for new ways to help our customers in our community and very soon announce plans for our new location. At the new Lloydminster Nissan, we won't sell you a car, we'll help you buy one. All roads in the cattle industry are leading to the 44th annual Stockade Roundup of the Lloydminster Exhibition, presented by Paradise Hill Ranch and Western Wear, November the 1st to the 5th. Classes include the King of the Ring, Princess of the Prairie, Stockade Lady, and the Supreme Show. Entries close October the 14th. The tradition continues, the 44th annual Stockade Roundup, going the distance for our agricultural community. Presented by Paradise Hill Ranch and Western Wear. For more information, visit LloydEx.com. While it is good to look at how much has changed in banking since the first Saskatchewan Credit Union was formed in the 30s, it is just as important to look at what has stayed the same. We are with you through thick and thin, rooted in tradition and honest values, and driven by innovation to help reach your financial goals. This commitment to you has defined our entire story, which will never change. That's a promise. Stay tuned, it's only going to get better. This is Lloyd Minster's show. This is local that matters to you. Local people. Local events. Local news and sports. For Lloyd Minster and area, this is Live with Kurt Price from the new Lloyd Minster Nissan. Hey, welcome inside the new Lloydminster Nissan on this uh, Tuesday morning. Great to be uh, back with Patchwork. We've got Tracy Kay here, and our, grass, our guest is Chris Zevalanos uh, from RiggerTalk.com today. And uh, how's it been? Like, I, I, you know, I missed you on the last Patchwork when we got to catch up with uh, uh, Premier Mo, which was pretty dark. By the cool. way, did we, we crushed it at the show, I thought. We did. The oil show was amazing. Yeah. yeah. And before we start any further, Chris, go ahead and say your last name. Zavlanis, you said it right. Zavlanis. Oh, yeah. oh, thank you. Zavlanis. Yeah. I thought he'd be bringing some pita bread and some goat <laughs> cheese, but he didn't. <laughs> that's for lunch. No, that's for lunch. <laughs> that's for lunch. Well, today, yeah. no, uh, we, uh, the, the oil show, we did a tremendously good job of the show. I thought um, what I was super proud of, we just didn't get a lot of time saying this nicely we knew we had some of the guests coming up but we didn't get a chance to really go into okay let's get them 20 questions or anything like that and uh got a chance to just basically do some from the heart interviews with them and i think they're some of the best interviews we've done ever best shows we've ever done so yeah it was uh and the quality of uh the quality of people walking around well uh, Rigger Talk was there. Yeah. yeah. The quality of people that were at that show was amazing. And then, uh, you know, caught up with uh, Scott Moe afterwards. He was so impressed with the show and, and with the guests and with the banquet the, the night before. You emceed that, by the way, and did a yeah. heck of a job. Thank you, sir. Rob Morgan and Dave Yager, who we've had Dave Yager on the show. Like, it was, it was kind of a 
satisfying from your and my point of view that we had actually had some some guys that were special guests at the show that we had on the show. Yeah. So I'm yeah. hoping that was rubbing off somewhere on there because uh, Rob Morgan and Dave Yeager and Gerald Alberts, Mayor Gerald, we've had him on the show. You've had him on the show, and uh, uh, the interview was. In my opinion, it was the best banquet, and uh, I've been to, I don't know how many oil show banquets now, 44 years doing this, and it was the best banquet I've ever been to, and I think the best emceeing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, really? Yeah, for real. Really? Yeah, it was. Wow. It was. You, you just did a great, well, great job. I, I appreciate that. Got um, a discount on a Nissan later on. But <laughs> <laughs> we no. caught up with Rob Morgan, too, over in North Battleford yeah. after he showed uh, Scott Moe around. And he's agreed to come on the show. Yeah. He's going to uh, take us through his career as well, which uh, Chris is going to do uh, today. But first off, uh, Trace, where are we sitting with the oil prices? You know, we uh, I'm staying optimistic. We've Our prices have kind of fluctuated around. Um, there's people talking the R word, the re, 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 recess, I'm calling it recess. I call it recess because people want to try to call it recession, and I think it's called recess. And that's where you go out in school for about 15 minutes and you come back in and gather your thoughts again and get back to school. And I'm Chris, Chris is going to chirp in on this in our interview today. He's been around a long time as well, but I'm tremendously optimistic. We've just had too many years of uh, people trying to prove out other energies and that kind of stuff. And now the oil is starting to rise to the top again, which it always does. Snow melts and oil prices always rise. And we, um, you know, Rob Morgan and Dave Yager, two of the two guys that I would consider tremendously intelligent in the industry, are forecasting a five to ten year um, high or strength or increase or positivity in the in the oil industry. So right now. WTI is still hanging in there quite strong, in my opinion, at $85.41 U.S. a barrel. The WCS, Western Canadian Select, I was down in Hardesty last week, by the way, pheasant hunting. You should see the facilities they have down there to, to get all the oil in there. It's just impressive. But they're at a $63.33 U.S. a barrel. That's just about 100 bucks Canadian, which is still really good. Rig counts, U.S., 771 rigs going. Canada, I'd like to see that a little higher still, 210. But internationally, we got 879 rigs going. So I, I know Chris is going to chirp in here on this uh, interview today and tell us that, you know, he, he works in the field. He works with rigs. That um, I'm optimistic that we're going to have just some tremendous years ahead of us yet. So... And uh, rig count. That's what I had. 771, 210, and 879. Okay, so okay. we got about 210 into, uh, into Canada right now. I'd like to see that number higher. U.S. is staying strong and international is staying strong. But uh, you just hear all around that people are staying busy and people are staying optimistic. The Canadian price is fluctuating, but we just have too much demand for oil, and it's going to stick around. Oh, well, if you want to see where those rigs are. Riggertalk.com has exactly That's right. where those yeah, rigs right are. On, well, right on the app. I think it's 220 today, isn't it? It's real-time drill and rig information. Okay, so there. yeah, if you want to get real-time. Well, you can see them moving around everything. Yeah. It does show where they're moving. It'll show the yeah. next location, and then when they turn green is when they actually spud, and it shows exact time, oil companies, who's drilling, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Chris about Riggertalk.com and about his career in oil and gas here on Patchwork. This isn't your typical runaway bride scene. It's an 
Nissan sales van ad. This RAV4 doesn't even have as many standard safety features as this Rogue. Love may be forever, but these offers are not. Hi, it's Kalina from Sheepskin Loft. Visit the Feel Good Store, where wellness, comfort, and style align. If you have foot, leg, or back pain, Vionic Footwear can help you with OrthoHeal technology. The built-in arch support can be found in every pair of sandals, slippers, sneakers, runners, heels, flats, and more. We carry unique gifts and natural footwear for everyone, from babies to adults. We also have a nice selection of cotton pajamas and robes. Visit our store in Lloydminster, just east of the Esso Truck Stop, or shop online and we'll ship to you. Sheepskinloft.com, because we care. How can you help support the oil and gas industry and jobs in Western Canada? The answer is closer than you think. Sell your scrap metals to PWM Steel. PWM sells scrap iron to Evraz, located in Regina. Evraz's number one customer is the energy sector, building pipes and plates for the oil and gas industry. PWM Steel is your locally owned metal recycler and steel service center in the area. Plus, they're a strong supporter of the community. PWM Steel, your top steel supplier for Alberta and Saskatchewan for 40 years. At Diamond 7 Meats, we work with local farm families to provide a high-quality product and a great selection for you. Try our mouth-watering Smokies, pulled pork, roast beef, and more. Made pure and natural with no additives or fillers. We offer custom processing, and our experienced team works for you to provide a selection of sausage, burgers, and jerkies made to your specifications. Take your grilling to the next level with a Yoder Smoker. Complete the grilling experience with Canadian-made, award-winning line of House of Q barbecue sauces. We're locally owned and operated, and we look forward to seeing you today. In Touch Massage in downtown Lloydminster can help with stress and overall health. For those daily aches and pains, muscle disorders, mental wellness, and relaxation, try In Touch Massage. Working with other health providers, artists and her team will work to enhance your overall well-being and get you mobile again. From anxiety to whiplash and more, trust In Touch Massage in Lloydminster. And direct billing is available. For local massage therapy that offers more than 60 years combined experience and gives back to their community, call In Touch Massage, 780-871. Welcome back inside the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan for Patchwork and uh, Tracy Kay here uh, with us again to co-host Patchwork and Chris Devalanos from RiggerTalk.com. I'm trying to get smoother. Yeah, at, that's uh, at Welcome, the last Chris. Name, but, uh, Chris, great to see you. Absolutely. Great to meet Thanks you. Me. Yeah. Um, let's talk about how you got started in oil and gas. What was the first, uh, what was the first job that uh, brought you into the industry? I started service rigs, graduating right after I thought, geez, I heard about all this money in the oil field and I went there. Went to Kindersley, started in service rigs, ended up on the drilling rigs, went through the highs and lows. What year did you start, Chris? Uh, 94, I guess it was. 1994. Wow. You've been doing it a little while. Full time from yeah. 94 on, so yeah. And what were you doing in Kindersley? Uh, service rigs. Service rigs? Yeah. Sandy Ross. Uh, yeah, and um, Lockwell. So you, if you work service rigs in Kindersley, my, one of my cousins, my wife's cousins thanked me years ago and he said, I wanted to go to work in the patch and he said, you steered me and I was down in that south area and got me uh, some connections with Sandy Ross Well Servicing and he said, I've been doing this ever since. And I said, if you worked in Kindersley on the rigs, you probably worked for Sandy Ross. Yeah, right? yeah. they're big. Yeah. They got a lot of rigs there too. I think they've 
staffing right now for everybody, yeah. right? Or they'd have more, but yeah. And then I went to the drilling rigs for eight, nine years. Who did you work? What companies were you working Mostly for? Mostly Tri City Drilling, and I was always on rig twelve. Great guys, great crew, almost like family when you work out there with these guys. And then again, ninety seven, ninety eight hits. You're looking for work on any rig, and then how did it come to be? Unemployment made me take that hoot course in town here in Lloyd. Mm -hmm. So I did that, and I went back to the rigs, and then I got into operating for a couple of years because the wife got a job teaching in Provost actually so she didn't want me going back and then I just went on the consulting side. So where's home for you originally? North Battleford. What? Not far, yeah. Just a really good oil and gas town. Yeah, now it is, yeah. Now <laughs> Maybe is. for tractors and combines it is. <laughs> it's going to be good. With you know what, North Battleford gets uh, gets her a little bit of reputation as being oil and gas because we throw that in with Miota. Yeah. Which Miota was a really big deal at one time. Uh, there was a ton cool. of oil and gas around Miota, so everybody would go, well, Miota's just too far away from Lloyd Minster. You know that. And yeah. so you'd get credit for North Battleford actually being a bit of an oil and gas down because of Miota, but that'd be about you, it. You're right, because we always heard oil was going to come to North Battleford, and we'd always be at a jackfish and out by Miota and stuff like that. Yeah. I didn't even know what a pump jack is when I went to Kindersley. I had no idea. I didn't even think I'd seen a rig. I must have seen it, but not even questioned what it was. I literally drove out to the rig when they called and said, hey, you got a job. You go there, and what? what is this? You got rods going up and down, because oh. back then you were probably going round and round, oh, right? Oh, yeah. So Guidelines, that anchors. terminology is we, we used to joke about that, because I was raised on up and down, which is pump jacks up and down. But then we ran some of the first round and round, which is the progressive cavity pumps yeah, back in 79 and 1980. And, of course, now it's almost, well, for sure it's the exact opposite until you get further south is it's all round and round around here, and then yeah. it's up and down when you get down to Kindersley because yeah. I, I tease the guys down in Tabor and Brooks that, uh, you know, well, our oil's pretty heavy, and I said, what's it at? Well, we're about 20, 30 API, and I said, we burn that stuff in our trucks in the wintertime, man, right out of the tap. Just teasing me. Yeah. Do you have, like, we've, we've heard some from some people who worked on some, some rigs, yep. and like you said, they become families and stuff. Do you have any stories that stick out from the early days? Well, quite a few. I don't know a lot I should be No, there's yeah. some I should be saying. I remember actually when I first <laughs> went to the drilling rigs, because like you said, when you first go to the service rigs and stuff, you start to understand what's going on, and you're running all day long. We had guidelines trying to rig it up and down three times a day, always dirty. But I actually, one on the service rig was good. I remember I was taking the BOP bolts out, and the guys on the floor were sitting there scrubbing the BOPs with Varsal. And this was right in the morning. And I remember going throughout the day working, what's my arms are itchy and burning? My arms were burning so bad from that Varsal soaking and sweating all day that I jumped into a slough just trying to wash off. And I had big scars, not scars, but just light burns. Rashes yeah, and that rashes from it, yeah. And it hurt. So that wasn't a great story, but you know, I remember right down a wells kick and blowing out. First real bad blow we had, we're right uh, kitty corner from Devon, Tri-City 12, and we're just pulling testing tools, so it was kind of controlled, but the guy said, I was working, and I said, should we throw these test plugs on it? Second joint out, all of a sudden, he said, no, no, the well's a duster. So we weren't pulling test plugs, or putting the test plugs on, pulling out, because when you're testing, you basically want to get that well to kick, but they said nothing's coming. Well, we had probably 1,800 meters of four and a half inch drill pipe blowing at us, it came at us like a rocket. I was wearing contacts, and it was loud, and I was scared. Crapless. <laughs> Grabbed that TI on, probably 200 pounds, both of us, and it went flying in the air. My eyes, or I had contacts in, shot my contacts out. 
I still have pictures of that, and that rig was completely covered. We shut down for two weeks after for OH&S, get it all cleaned up. But that's one of those things where I was thinking, do I really want to do this? Because you don't understand, and it happens so fast. Well, the thing is, is that what, you know, on a good note of that here in Canada, there, you know, there's not an industry out there that doesn't have situations that come up. <clears throat> but we're very good to get the, the product and everything back in place and get it cleaned up and, and do a really good job. I was going more down the line of any tricks that were down played. Like, you know, everybody knows a guy comes into a site and he goes, and I don't know if I told this story or not, but... A guy comes into a work site and he goes, well, he's the new green guy on the location, right? Well, we went out to this one location and the guys uh, back in the day, they had all um, lieutenant, colonel and army jackets on. Mm -hmm. And now we have all safety coveralls and that on. And the guys were all in these army jackets that they'd found at one of the dump sites and were wearing all these jackets when I got out there. But the new guy, they made him wear green boots, green clothes, green gloves and green hard hat. Mm -hmm. And, and I knew what was going on. He said, well, I'm the green guy out here, and we need to make sure that the consultant knows that I'm the green guy out here. So the, the rig tricks were... Oh, there's lots, yeah. Yeah. Like government samples and filling up... Yeah, or... or 300 go, pound bags of shale and bring it into the Water the crown. Just, water the crown. So logging, of course... I heard is, water the crown. Yeah, now logging is basically just a, 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 a electrical um, instrument on a wire line that can read... The formations and see what the formation is doing down there but logging to a green guy could be a log so <laughs> chris may have done this to people i didn't but i'd seen it done you'd make the green guy go out behind the, the well site and go cut you three or four logs because you're going to be logging the well but he didn't know any different well, right they, so. had, they did that to me i remember the first time i was tied up and they had me out right i wasn't cutting logs i was actually on the floor and they have the big shifts saying we we're calibrating the shifts, change the wire line, drew a line on it. Every time that goes around, give it a wave. So you're waving to the actual <laughs> wire liner, and every five times, wave <laughs> I never heard hand. of that one. Oh my. So th they had me going, and I, it was kind of funny, but oh, they can't see you. Next thing they got flags on you. So you're waving every time this is going around, every five like that, and we can't see your arms, and then they get you spanked in your butt or whatever, and then I'm luck over. They're all laughing at me. I was out there probably 20 minutes cold, and I said, you guys, that's not very nice. The other one that's was That's what tricky. families do, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They weren't family when I first started. They were, like I said, I'm keeping my language right. good, yeah. but they yeah. weren't family then. Well, trick tricking, too, like I remember, the big one was is that, you, you know, you, you had... Um, that is pretty funny, though. You, you had harnesses <laughs> and a line on, and you would tell the guys, okay, you know, that we've been working the shivs too much up on the top of the crown. You, you need to go up and water the crown. Well... You really don't want to do anything except grease the crown, but the guys would be up there with a little pail of water trying to go up the stairs with this thing to try to do it. But, you know, putting some grease in your gloves and then you go for coffee and then you, you put, uh, put them back on. Well, uh, I got to tell this one really goofy story. Roger Fournier, if you're listening, this was one that you used to do all the time. He'd always be playing tricks on us all the time, all the time. So, you know, he'd take your thermos and bang a bunch of hammer marks on it, and then you're, you'd go home, and you, you know, you're not throwing your thermos away, but it was the steel ones. You got dints in it for the rest of your life. So I got home one time, and it was just before I'd married Kareen, and um, we're over at her place, and I uh, dropped off her, at her mom and dad's, and I dropped my lunch kit off that day, and all of a sudden, Kareen's dad could hear this, beep, beep, this little squeaking sound, and I'm like, I, 
I didn't, I could start, I finally, I started to hear it because he said, you, we got to, something's making a squeak. So I go and traced it down to my lunch kit and I open it up and there's a baby mouse in there crying that Roger had put in there before we'd left. So I said to Roger, okay. So Roger used to bring his lunch in a, in a, in a bread bag. Back in the day, you just put your slices of sandwiches in there in a bread bag and bring that. So I found a frog, and Roger's eating his lunch one day, and all of a sudden this plastic bag is going up and down like this, and he didn't know what it was, and here I'd stuck a frog in his bag. So just yeah. little things that you used to do on the rigs years for years. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what, funny one? You always get the roughnecks going out there, the new guys, looking for checker paint or pipe Pipe well, but they, they did make this guy do this that day on the yeah. the green guy. They made him go look in the toolbox for pipe stretchers. Yeah, it's just stuff like that, and it's pails of steam. It's yeah. great. Yeah. So you start consulting. Yeah. What year was that? It's twenty years coming up here. So what would it up in? Ninety. Well, yeah. it'd be two thousand two. Right. In two, uh, nineteen ninety nine, actually, my first job was with Harvest Operations, and that's right when they came to be and. I just seen guys out there and that was kind of when the industry flipped and you start talking to guys and a lot of guys didn't even understand what was going on and I just looked back thinking, well, geez, I could do that. Yeah. I know what I'm doing and Travis Smith, great guy. I went to him and I said, no, Travis, well, yeah, great guy. And uh, he said, well, Chris, he goes, I think you got the experience. He goes, but if you make any mistakes, I have to fire you. I said, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And from there, just been good. Been on my own since I've. Worked for a lot of companies, just Harvest has always been good. That always had me all over the place and stuff. But yeah, I've done a lot of work for a lot of companies. What's the most people you've ever had on location at one time? Because you got all your services from Rigger Talk. Well, this wouldn't have been this wouldn't have been on Rigger Talk because this would have been years ago. Uh, You know, frack and stuff. Oh yeah, of course. Fifteen twenty. But I remember when we were doing those polyboard jobs uh, with uh, Tricon, I believe it was. Had a school bus come out there would have been 30 guys out there so oh my goodness yeah there's a lot of times that there's a lot of moving parts and especially there's been a lot of times where you're fracking perforating the well cementing another well you got multiple things going on on pads and so it's a lot of organization too and stuff you do most of your re- work south of here though chris right you don't do as much around lloyd as you do you provost or do you get, get really up? never did much work in lloyd yeah i live here i haven't done much work here i harvest's got a few things but it wasn't until the summer when i came back from san antonio that i got in did a few jobs at caltex around here uh tyler scott did a yep. few of his well so i'm doing a bit more here but yes i've always in more h2s areas a lot like when i first saw was up north red earth still go there usually in the winters but yeah this is the first time i've really been working around here yeah cool kind of nice you've mentioned a couple names but uh when you think back on your career who are some of the guys that that helped you along the way that you look up to that, you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for these, these people. Yeah. So there was a guy actually that used to live here too. Uh, his name's Larry Fadakt. He was consulting on the drilling rigs. I think he recently quit, but I worked with him for years and great guy after work. And I want to just beat him at work, but I couldn't cause he was too big. So <laughs> I, it wasn't until you realize that he, it wasn't that he's being an asshole. It was that I didn't know how to work. I thought I was working hard, but I was just dumb. So, you know, you work through, and then he made me understand how to work on the rigs and understand quite a bit there. Still a good friend of mine. And then uh, when I did go consulting, I was fortunate to know a lot of good guys, but there was a guy actually that lived here as well. His name was Gary Dixon. Very smart guy. 
and he helped me out. He wouldn't, he wouldn't actually help you, like doing a cement job or something. I'd say, oh, I'm going to put my discharge here. And he goes, hmm, you don't want to put him. Oh, okay. Are you sure you want to put him in the middle of the perfs? Just thinking. Didn't tell me anything. And then I started thinking, well, the buoyancy factor is cement. And, oh, yeah, it's got to be below perfs. You're not going to actually perforate if that's not feeding there. So little things like that that he'd make you figure it out yourself, but he would ask you the right questions. And once you got to know him, you'd be thinking, why do you ask me that? Because you know he's smart. And he really helped me out that way ask the questions it's needed so you get consultants around the area like i just even think of guys that are working you know with with uh, large corporations and and they they get a bit of a camaraderie together because you know sometimes you don't want to call to ask a question but you don't mind calling your your friend or your mm -hmm. consultant that may have done that already before and that's the other thing you feed off each other you start looking at some of the rigs around here and you know you start looking at even the intricate boys and the, then the, the classic aka j-max boys yep. and guys like that have been in rigging since the mid-70s as a consultant for me going out there um and supervising those guys would be probably sitting in the truck making sure my paperwork was good because yep. what are those guys, what are you going to do to those guys except bring them out some coffee and, yeah, they're, smart and some, guys. they're just Very super smart guys. guys. And most of them could be consulting themselves, but yep. they choose to do the rig side because they do a really good yeah. job of that. Absolutely. So. And that's, do you see yourself that way, Chris? Is, is that what you do now? You kind of, hey, if I see somebody doing something, I'm going to take that initiative that these two guys told me and I'm just going to like... You solve the, you solve this yourself. Like, yeah. It, let me let me ask you: Is it? Uh, I, yeah. You really think that's the best option? So I've had a lot of guys. You mentioned Intricate, which is a great bunch of guys. They unfortunately sold, but like even uh, the owner's son, Tad Timmons, I've had him working with me for years. And when I went to San Antonio in January, I had all this work, and he wanted to get into the consulting side. And I said, Yeah, I've had him out there for over fifteen years. You, you're ready. You could do it, right? You would, you would be better to bring a guy like that in that's been around you than even a 30-year veteran mm -hmm. that hasn't been around you mm -hmm. because he just knows your style and all the work you're that's doing. Right. And I've done a lot of great jobs with him because we weren't just pump changes. We did everything. Squeezes, you know, everything. So I had all this work. I went down to the States, and I got him doing it for me. A lot of phone calls. He was calling me lots, and I said, don't worry about it. Like, yeah. you know, and again, that's <clears> confidence <throat> just going out there to understand, but... Yeah, so now he's working at Husky, which is awesome. Like I even said, I will get you work for me anytime. Call me anytime. Just he has a family, and I didn't want to get into that game, getting consultants. And then somehow I did because he started a consulting firm doing engineering with Canada Global now. So yeah. we do have guys working for us in the field and stuff. But, you know, guys that I don't know, I'll help them out. But it's more personal when you know a guy and you know his, his capabilities and his trust, right? Because you trust a guy if you know if uh, he understands, that's the hardest thing. If you got a rig consultant, the chances of getting a guy off a rig to be a rig consultant is probably a good choice. Mm -hmm. And and uh, for you, um, you know, we've had guys and saying this respectfully, and they've had to learn their ways here. We are a different style because we play in heavy oil. Bringing guys in from light oil their whole lives and bringing them here, it's a tough gig because they're not used to it. Like I remember years ago. Um, out at Elk Point, and we had some guys out there supervising 35 years in light oil. We, when they went out to Elk Point, they'd never seen tubing float in their lives. Mm -hmm. 
and it was in Elk Point, you could roll that stuff up on at Elk Point and make black snowballs Absolutely. out of it in the winter time like balls, yeah. and you could uh you you'd pull the rods and they'd say well we're going to put a rod stripper on and i was derrick hand at that time and i said this rod stripper is not going to do anything it's going to make the rods smaller but they're still going to come out with a half inch of coating on them you need a super hot truck over here with super hot water and we need to flush these rods so we got those out and then of course the next day we still had to uh um, pull the tubing. Well, everything's equalized again, and you, you're that stuff's not draining out. Pulling, you got to blow that stuff back out there again. But these guys had just never seen that type of stuff. The rig push was 35 year veteran, and so we're an interesting character around here when it comes to stuff that's that's uh, that's heavy for you sure. You know, I totally agree with that. Heavy oil wells, it's no different than a high pressure gas well. Right. You're done at the end of the day, and you pull the tubing. Oh, okay. We're good. No, you have to have that tubing back in there for a kill string in the morning because to try killing a well with nothing, trying to boil and bleed a well, takes forever. You need yeah. that kill string. You have to understand these little things. And again, you said people that helped you. Like, uh, I've always worked off and on. Like, I drilled a lot of these wells out here for Devon in 97. That's how I got lucky on the drilling rigs. Mm -hmm. That they were one of the only people drilling when back then, 98, I think it was. But drilling rigs and actually operating and working on the wells are totally different and i had a good guy named um don Pafka. i don't know if you know him especially out point great guy he's done a lot of work did he have a nickname for you no no don Pavka has been around and uh i've known don for almost years well i've known don since the <laughs> mid 80s when i ran tools for him in westman of all places out in elk point yeah, yeah. and don uh, don is a tremendously knowledgeable guy but he used to have a nickname for pretty well everybody so that's why i asked no. very knowledgeable guy well <clears throat> They call there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he trained you probably a little differently too, along yeah. the oh, way. Oh yeah, and it, which is funny. He used to yeah. be Gary Dixon's boss too. Right. But I knew Gary before, and then Don came in, started doing work, not for me, but he'd be a filling guy for me. Don, yeah. I'm going somewhere. Can you work? You bet. I even I had to go do a well in Fishing Lake the other day. Haven't been up there in years, so I went and picked him up. He said, "You want to come?" Oh yeah. He knows everybody. Just a knowledgeable guy. Yeah. Just and a great guy too. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, Don would be another one of those guys. I was waiting for you. <laughs> Gary and Don are the two guys that I know. Um, I was waiting for you to say somebody like that. 44 years around this area, mm -hmm. I'm probably going to know somebody that has um, helped somebody along the way, whether it's yourself or mm -hmm. several guys we've had on the show that have just said, you know, just you've just changed that. And everybody has a little different way of educating. We're, we're at the age where we're doing a lot of stuff that was old traditional way. Now... If you bring in young guys that have young guys train them, it's all about, well, did you have your boots on and did you yeah. did you kill the well this way and did you turn that valve? Well, back then, we did a lot of stuff that was just uh, Don Pavka 101 training because mm -hmm. of just the stuff that they did. And most of us don't have any... Um, you know, head knowledge as far as, you know, going to college or anything like that. It was all just the experience we had around the wealth site, right? Well, and that's the big thing that is different to become a consultant. What do you need? A truck and a pickup? Well, I used and to say. And a lie? And a computer. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. You could say, you, you could say anything. Yeah, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. You could go out there and, like you said, you get an intricate or J-Max or some of these good crews around here. You could be an, an idiot and still do the job. But... If you go and say, oh, I'm a, I'm a driller, and you never worked on a rig before, they're going to know that in six seconds. Yeah. You know, so this is one of the things that you're right to become a consultant or a well site supervisor or whatever you want to call it. 
I believe it's knowledge. You could go take your petroleum tech engineering and all this other stuff and go backwards. You still aren't going to know what a guy that on a uh, service rigs or workover rig knows from 15 years experience. You know what I mean? Like I watch follow Chris's page, but here to me is 50% of being a consultant. And I've watched Chris's page many times is that there, this is a conversation I've never ever been able to say to anybody before until now. The consulting part is about the knowledge and you drop your resume off to your supervisors that hire you. And I believe the other 50% is your social skills mm -hmm. and, and how you're treating people. And I need to say this as nicely as I can. There are people out there that are doing a really good job knowledge-wise, but they still have to treat the people right. Oh, absolutely. And, and that has been a bit of an Achilles heel that, you know, you want everybody to, the rig crews are humans like everybody else. But I see Chris on there, oh, I've, and I like, I think I, I'd really like to work for Chris because he's like, well, I got uh, uh, sausages and burgers and steaks, and I'm like, Who's this, who's this guy? They're working for him, but you're feeding the guys all oh, the time. You treat them good, but you hear a lot of times and saying this respectfully that the guys are been been toughed on and been hard on, mm -hmm. and and you're working with those guys all the time. And at the end of the day, I've learned the only way to to really get the best you can out of the guys is treat them with respect. If they make mistakes, you don't you don't pound them into the ground like yeah. a thumbnail. Um, a thumbtack you got to be good to them and talk a little bit about that because nobody ever gets to hear this online how do you treat the guys on the location what's good. the best way to do that so, from your opinion especially a turnaround with the manpower now right we get a new guy every other day half the time i don't even know this new guy's rough or this his name how do you go to them what do you say to them well new guys i'll you know basically let them know that they have the right to refuse work blah 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 the right to remain other. silent you mean? no no, no. I'm just kidding. no. <laughs> because you, any question's a good question but you know i don't want to talk to a guy every other day i we have a safety meeting just like everything make sure everybody knows where the hazards are and we don't have to do a safety meeting right now but when you're out there and to get the best out of the guys you treat them with respect yeah there's you know and i'll tell a new guy right off if these guys are giving you shit or giving you a hack and stuff and yelling at you it's not because they don't like you it's because you're somewhere where they you shouldn't be and you can get hurt there slant right between when they're picking up two right don't be pinch level, points like, all of that right. so don't take with a grain of salt and once you become experienced then you're going to be doing the same thing it's mentor program everywhere but you know once you get a good gelled crew that's been there two months three months six years five years it's it's awesome because they know what you expect and I, everybody Everybody's a person, and you don't know what's going on in their lives too, right? So I've gone fights with, like even say, for example, Tad. He'll snap and, you know, we're mad at each other for two weeks or whatever. Well, no, not two weeks. We're not girls. Like two minutes I meant. But at the end, they're all people. So when I, when, you know, when they're working hard, I like cooking anyways. I smoke a lot of meat. I will go and I'll bring them lunches and stuff like that. And again i feel that once these guys are eating and we become friends they're going to work harder and yeah. they do they feel appreciated you sit there and keep yelling at somebody you're not going to get the best work out of them they're not going to like you they'd rather see you getting an accident on the way to work right so you be and you become friends and you don't have to but do you think that respect. that's also chris that you know you the thing is do it help me kurt do well, as you would do unto well, others as they would yeah. you would well, want you them came to up do on you. the rigs right yeah. you, if people treated you that way, no. you know what it's like. No, it was different. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. They didn't know my name. 
No. That was we we did yeah we worked back then worked. no we back in our time and yeah. even like I started in '78 so I was running tools in the mid '80s by then and uh, you know saying this nicely it was just a little different philosophy sure. it was more it was more head down butt up and uh, it was more uh, it was it was definitely hardcore training back then it's it in my opinion and and don't get me wrong that wasn't the case with everybody but nowadays there's there's just so much safety involved. And uh, I've said this, like I said this before, is that it, it's now safety and how you treat somebody is goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You got to be good to the guys. You you do want to tell them if there's an uncertain, dangerous situations to get out of there. But um, if people are walking around that they can't even do anything because the consultant is so me or tough on them, they're going to be dangerous than being more confident because they're doing a good job for somebody and they're being appreciated. I've said this a thousand times and I've never said it on the show. The greatest thing that most people want out of you working for them is value mm-hmm. and that they're appreciated and they mean something. And, and I've, I've watched your post lots and just how you guys, you praise your guys on location and how they got that fish yeah, out and that piece of busted pipe yeah, and that yeah. lots of times. And then you're, you're cooking for them. Like yeah. the, I know there's rig crews out there that would love to work for other guys than other guys. And it's just part of it because they're, they're, they're good to them. So. Yeah. And you know what? I don't have to be out there all the time when they're tripping pipe for two hours straight or rods or whatever it is. They know their job. Like yeah. you said, they know their job, even if they don't, the driller knows their job to do it. So I don't have to be there, but when, well, be outside and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'll cook, I like being out there. Like, but when there's big jobs, I have to be there. Like, yeah. like I said, the last couple of days I was doing cement squeezes. I have to be there. What's yeah. the displacements? How much cement? So there's times that I got to be there. There's times that they got to be there, right? right? And when they're doing the cement job, they're usually eating in the doghouse. Go and eat, go and enjoy. I'll let you know when we have to get back pulling tubing or whatever we're doing right whatever kind of i i just like to i you know i've been around the rigs long enough even in this day and age that you know you you still have to have cycles in your body that have to work you you put in you know and there's times when you have to maybe get that well back on or whatever and you have to work an extra hour before you can have your sandwiches or your lunch and then there's times when you know the 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 guys don't give them a break all day that's not right you got to give the guys some time to have a snack and do stuff if it's a if it's a really heavy duty situation you just you can say to the guys hey guess what we got to put five hours straight in here but i'm going to give you an hour later on to to rest and get some some snacks and and you know the guys appreciate that i've always said do you go do you go four ten or four or five tens a week and get the weekends off or do you do you know eight eights or seven eights a week i think that if you put the time in and give the guys a few days off i think you get better mileage out of them than you do by making them work every day that's just my opinion yeah i think so like especially the older guys Rick hands they like schedules you know a lot of them maybe a divorce or want to be with their kids young kids they want to go 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 and then they don't care if they have some time off until they're broke then they want to get back so it's just different philosophy between different guys in that age so you want to work with all of them you know and to say it I get paid by the day so if I'm there for one minute I get paid the same so I just want to work a minute but that's not the case I will say that right to the guys and they laugh and I said, but I realized you guys got up and you want to work, if you're out here, you want 10 hours a day. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna strive for 10 hours a day, you know, cause there's some jobs just like cement squeeze, they go fast, they only get four hours. And that's unfair to these guys. If they get four hours, six hours, three hours, it's not worth them going to work, you know? So I try to strive for the guys 
10 hours a day when we're at work and then schedule. Every rig crew is different and depending on how much work we have, what wells down, sometimes say you're on a 10 and four. Yeah. Oh my God, this well that makes 60 cubes of oils down. Well, you guys ain't getting it off. We're working, you yeah. know, so it does change. Even like you said, times you work at a bank, oh, it's 1030. I'm going to go for coffee. It doesn't work that mm -hmm. way out there. Like yeah, said, <laughs> we've never working. had bankers hours no, on the patch. No. It might be 11.30, they haven't had a break, but okay, now all of a sudden, and again, this is where working smart is. They just come out of the hole, perfect. Go for lunch, and then that's usually where the push is out there, flushing the well, doing this for the next 20 minutes. So everything continues to go as long as people are organized. You know, and that's what, what our job is mostly. Uh, because on the service rigs, the money is intangible goods. 35% like the labors, and if you're unorganized, that's where the costs come in. So, and again, that's experience. Uh, Chris, where you've been traveling a lot, mm -hmm. and you've been going out to different parts of the North America, and that, <clears throat> the other part I appreciate about you is you really follow along like Kurt and I do on pricing and, and what's going on in the world and, and what the trending has been in that. You know, Kurt and I were at the oil show, and we just felt that those guys were really optimistic. Let, talk about a few of the trips you've made and what you think the, the, the next five years is going to be like. And then we're going to, then I want Kurt to start talking to us, uh, you and yep. I, about your rigor talk stuff. Oh, yeah. Like uh, trips, like what I like about them? Or well, you've been, down in, you've been down in Texas a yep. bit. Yep. Uh, I, like I said, I follow you on LinkedIn yep. and some stuff, and, and you've been down into Texas because I know you're working on yep. some stuff down there. But what are you sensing down in other parts of the country? Because... Even though I follow that, I'm not down yep. in there like you have been in this last while. You've been take, you've been checking out a few of the oil shows and been around a few yeah, places. Yeah, I went to have quite a few. Like, I guess in January, we did move down to San Antonio with the family. Kids went to school there, and we went to San Antonio. We didn't even know where we were going. We said, let's just go. Lindsay's my wife's sister's there. So we ended up there. Absolutely gorgeous city. Like, and everything around there is just beautiful. But they had no oil. But I was going to Houston. I went to an oil show there. I went to... Odessa for an oil show and that's where it is busy like I haven't been to Odessa or Midland area since prior to COVID and I was down there every three months and it looked exactly the same I'm driving and first thing I see two drilling rigs right on the side of the road 100 meters by it there's another drilling rig I'm thinking this is awesome so it's full out and again their safety's a lot behind ours you still go to rigs there they don't have oh my goodness they don't have coveralls or anything on but they're busy so and I'm, I'm not saying that all the companies are like that I'm sure the bigger companies like the Anadarkos and the yeah. companies would have that but it seems like at those we got some shows, Canadian boys down there yeah, you might absolutely. know victory well servicing's down that way and oh, yeah yeah and uh, I well I met a lot of Canadians it's amazing it wasn't until the Oilers were playing Calgary in San Antonio I said to my wife I said I'm gonna go have a beer and find this game by chance it's one bar was there and I walked in there and it was full and I met 15 Canadians great guys so I'm disappointed that my kids want to go to school there and not go back but yeah so no it is busy there Houston it's almost like Calgary too but everything was full out like it was amazing there did you find different optimism down there then Chris compared to here did you um, think they were really going? Yeah, for sure. Because when I left here, we were coming back up with a mask. You went down there and you didn't see a mask. It was like my kids went to Ronald Reagan school, 3,700 kids there. And a handful of kids may have masks, but you never heard of any of this down there. Is even when I came back in June to the, go to the uh, Calgary Oil Show, and they asked me, oh, can we see your test? And I was just like blown back. I forgot about COVID. 
and I don't want to start talking about that anyways. Yeah. But, you know, like, so down there, I don't think they change. And yes, they're busy and the price of oil's good and they're fracking again now. You see it all over. So, and a lot of companies are going down there, like Copper Tip. I've seen them down there. They're busy. And it's right through the slowdown that was here. And now we're starting to boom. So, again, like you said, the oil price, I think the oil price has uh, been manipulated. I think we should be at 120 right now. That's the way I see it. Just because the reserves, the United States reserves, are <coughs> depleting fast. And we are getting a cold season. Every year we're going to be need more. China's is still shut down, I heard, I think. And if that comes back, how much more demand is that going to be? So I could see $200 oil in the next two years. I, you know, everyone says recession as well. And it looks like we could go into a recession. But right now, I think ours is going to be padded because of the oil price. And I think we're going to be fine. We will be hit with more taxes. We all know that. That's yep. how unfortunately but i think that we're going to be fine that way because i f believe we're going to have a strong oil and gas price. well you commented there about uh you know the price being back up again and i i just want to in inject here for two seconds yep. we had a facetime with my niece in denmark and they are on the uh wind turbines down there over in denmark and they're a socialist country so they're pretty well everybody gets taken care of so we were on FaceTime, and I'd never had a chance to talk to anybody in Europe about what was really going on with Europe. But mm -hmm. this is my niece, who is like, like one of our closest nieces to the family. And they're in Denmark, and just deciding how much it's affecting what's going on in, you know, what's going on in Europe. And it's the real deal over there. She's in Denmark, socialist country that they're going to be taken care of. I don't know what the other countries are going to be like, but they're, they are down as low as they can on the electricity every day. They have an electric car, hybrid car, that they have to decide how they can cycle that to yeah. get it charged. The oven is the biggest thing that they use to cook their, their food in, and they've got to time out when that oven can be used during the day because of what the power stuff is. They've, got, they've taken about $30,000 worth of stuff to um, get themselves kind of set up better. And, um, you know, and they're, 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 she's from Canada, so my heart went out to her because I said, I just, I'm just not used to that. I'm not used to... You know, we got to do this and time stuff out in that. But she said it's it's real here because of what we're relying on from from the Russian side or the energy, and her bill for power a month is a thousand dollars a month, just the way it is right now. I'm scared we're heading there, aren't yeah. you guys? I I'm I'm petrified, honestly. Get rid of oil and gas. There's no other sustainable. Yeah. Not. There isn't, and that's what people, like you said, my family's in Greece. My dad's from Greece, so I talk to my family, and it's getting overpopulated for, not that everyone's moving there, just because it's going to be a harsh winter, like from Germany and stuff, because they were afraid that they're not going to have any gas. Right. You look at Germany, they said years ago they put all that money into sustainable electric energy, Yeah. which now they're going right back to coal plants. Yeah. China's yeah. going to coal plants. Yeah. We are saying about dirty energy and all this other stuff, but China's getting all their coal from BC. Shut that down. You know, oil and gas is economical, reliable, sustainable. Everything goes on it, and it's cheaper than... When it becomes life-threatening, Chris, there's maybe a line I've never said on the show before. When it becomes life-threatening, that's when people will decide where they are with the oil and gas. And if you ask You're anybody right now, and, yeah. and you ask anybody that says, look it, my kids are going to pass away or my family's going to pass away because if, if the turbine doesn't turn. And then if you were to tell them, look it, we can give you fossil fuel for the winter or for as long as you need to keep your family alive. Do you want it or not? Or do you want to stay on the wind turbine train? 
I'll bet you a bazillion dollars that they're all going to tell you that they're going to go to where they need to to keep their family alive. Absolutely. Well, my, my thing is that really makes me disappointed is let's have a fair conversation about it, especially these electric vehicles and stuff like that. What was that? Uh, yeah, the Tesla that? No, no, oh, okay. that new one that I was just looking at. Uh, I just seen it today. But anyways, I'll think of it. Uh, Rolls Royce or whatever. One of those high end. They said they're going to factor it in about $480,000. That car, they said, was three ton, 3,000 tons. So that's 6,600 pounds. Yeah. You can't be driving that on these roads. We had Adam Waterman on one of the shows, Kurt, and he said said that the electric vehicles are going to be 60% heavier than a standard gas vehicle will be. So break up once you get that frost line coming up, our roads are gone. So is our highways gone. All our parking lots are going to take much more pavement toll. More construction on the roads, more, which means... How is the toll? How are the roads made? <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> that, well, it's exactly. going to take more oil and so, ga- it's going to take more oil to fix the roads because the electric vehicles are beating them up. How much oil and gas is going in to build that though? Too. Yeah. That's the other thing that they dodge and they say, "Well, no, it's cheap. It's not cheap. It's subsidized by yeah. taxpayer dollars." And yeah. that's why I said I'm petrified thinking about electric because we don't have the grid for it, and they're going to shut down our oil and gas, so we're going to freeze one day too. Yeah, you know, like we well, Dave Yager, he'd done some documentaries on stuff that he had commented on that Canada would be they would all we would be we would be dead right now if it wasn't for fossil fuels just because of the conditions we live in here in Canada. The other thing is, is that uh, um, I got a I got a text picture. Kurt had seen it as well, that uh, it was was just outside of Vermilion here. I'm I'm, is that a was that a legit picture? Kurt? Yeah, yeah, that that. uh, when when vehicles start on fire, or some of the stuff starts on fire. We always think of the Rambo days and all this stuff blows up, which 99% of it doesn't. But these batteries don't like heat at all, so, and so it absolutely disintegrated and melted that Tesla that mm-hmm. the rescue squad had to come out here. And so this is a true story. Wow. When I was in Houston and underground parking, it had signs right there: "No electric vehicles allowed" because of that reason. Because I didn't know, and I asked. They said, "We don't know if they're going to light up." But again, about especially in the hot places, like environment. That. Actually, you know what was funny when I said that we had that blowout across from Devon, Leduc one. Um, we came back two, three weeks later, and it was a uh, springtime where everything was just starting to get green. Where that oil actually hit, you should have seen in the farmer's crop. It was green everywhere, and it was old and desolate, still snow mold. So that oil had so much nitrates that, and they're making it sound like it's bad for the environment. You, you know, I'm not even going to say the oil company, but I had an MD of one area call me once to say, hey, can we get some oil off you, sales oil? Sure. They filled up a truck, cracked the back gate to oil a road so uh, there's no dust. But if I'm on location, if I get an oil patch spill over yeah. two cubes or whatever on lease, I have to call the board, you know, report mm-hmm. it. But if they come in and you leave that much, now I'm in trouble. It's a salt water. Brine water's not good for yeah. the oil. It's not I, I, bad. Yeah, I've said that for a long time. <laughs> guys that want to get cranky about stuff like that, it's it's um, it's the salt water that's more Absolutely. dangerous than the oil has ever been. Which you know, for the, the record out organic. there, yeah, it's natural Canadian natural resources like natural gas. Mm-hmm. Like we've been doing that for a while. Yeah. Um, well, I was just wondering, like, how, like, do you see a lot of, like, you're, you're traveling to Texas all the time, traveling all around. You see a lot of electric vehicles. And you know, places? it was amazing. I think I've seen one here, but 
In Texas, if you go to Corpus Christi or anywhere there, none. I, well, I, I shouldn't say that. You see the odd one where people are just kind of cruising around. They've got a lot of Californians going there now too, but I was amazed. Uh, Austin had quite a few, and San Antonio had quite a few as well. But I would say way, way more in Austin than San Antonio. But, you know, I'm thinking I'm not against them. I'm not against them say, oh, let's ban it. But I talked to guys, and one, my neighbor actually down there said he had to replace his battery because it gets too hot now. After five years, and his bill was like 21000 Yeah, I heard like, that. $25,000 for a new battery in one of those yeah, cars. Yeah, and I don't know if that was Canadian or grand. U.S., but I was just like, Still, that's, that's dumbfounded. Some... Yeah, exactly. Wow. But you look at golf carts. A golf cart will go four or five years. You have to replace the batteries for $2,000. I have a 2000 golf cart, 25 horsepower, whatever it is. I probably got 10,000 miles on it, and I haven't done anything except change the oil. And my kids are on it everywhere. You're <coughs> talking about a, a gas-powered yeah, one? Gas. Yeah, same with me. I got a Yamaha at the lake, and yeah, I've, I've done nothing to it. Nothing. Except I put a battery in it once or twice. And, and, you know, for the record, batteries are still awesome in drills and phones and rechargeable stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, talking to one of the battery companies, the, the, the lithium is so expensive to get back out of the batteries right now that they're storing them in 45-gallon drums until somebody figures that out. It's cheaper to make them than it is to extract them out again. So now you've got, I don't know, a battery that's the size of a coffee table Where's that thing going? And and how are you? What are you doing with it? And people don't realize that the, the carbon footprint to make that battery could end up equaling more yep. than an entire car did. Just the battery yep. to make a gas car carbon footprint to making that battery was more carbon to to get out of the air than the than the, right. the actual gas car was. But they're just putting the pollution somewhere else. Right. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they figured that uh, borders could whole pollution yeah oh there's a chinese border in russia well we're not going to go there there's a border it doesn't work that way we're one environment well it's the so farmer story exactly. right the farmer story where kurt for Unless kurt's we're all in yeah kurt's got water on his place so he gets his family to just dig a little route thing and then he gets over to joe's land you know down the line no border there just a mark so now joe's dealing with the water because kurt's got well our, our water's all good on our farmland and then joe does the trench and it goes over here and then we all go out to his place and go man you got really nice land here you got no mud or water all he did was diverted it over down the yep. road and it's almost like it's um an invisible law out there that just says we'll just keep moving the pollution over here it's like the the, the oxymoron for years that we've Absolutely. all gone through uh, a smoking <laughs> section in a restaurant like really what, what wait, an unless unless or you're an airplane, in an airplane yeah. unless you're cubicling that off with some high-end exhaust yeah, fan yeah. that smoke is getting over to your and ours noses 100 yeah, percent right yeah. well we just got back from california and i expected to see a lot more electric vehicles than we saw Mm -hmm. uh, we drove from our hotel, which is right next to Disneyland, over to Universal Studios, and my nephew counted Teslas along yeah. the way. He counted 22. Of the how many thousands of cars that we were stuck in traffic going over there? 22. I expected a whole lot more. So our driver, who picks us up in this uh, shuttle, he's driving a van that has no air conditioning. It's got holes in the seats. <laughs> and uh, he's got to keep the windows down because it gets too hot in there. It was 36 degrees that day, right? Mm -hmm. And so I said to him, like, um, I said, um, what, what do you think of uh, California banning the sale of uh, gas cars? Oh, that's, that's not going to happen. Well, no, no, they've already announced that's going to happen. By 2030. Like, it, it was news in Canada that's going to happen. Oh, no, 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 that's not true. I said, well, like, what are you going to do if it is true? Well, it can't be true. 
there's yeah. there's there's no way he said there, there's no way we could ever uh, get it done. And I said to him like, uh, what do you think of uh, what do you think of Mr. Biden here? What do you think of uh, what what he's done? Oh, Biden's the best thing come along in forever. And you ask him because my brother works in oil and gas, right? Yeah. And he's in the back. So he's like, what has he done? What has he done for you? Well, you know what? You know what the answer is? He's not Donald Trump. Yeah. Right. That's that's the only answer. No, no, that is such a crazy. That's the line only answer they come said. up with. He's it not is. Donald Trump. So we start talking about Keystone, how Keystone shut down, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Thanks to Joe Biden, you know, all these people in Canada and all these people in Minnesota lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, he had no idea. No. Like, and I don't think he really cared. Yeah. But you're driving a van that's. Uh, this van was at least, I, I would say, t- at least a 2001. And like, he had no clue. He had no clue. Neither he, did he most no of the Europeans. No, Same thing. Right? That, that that van is going to be outlawed, or you know, if you're really trying to save the planet, why don't you upgrade your van? Well, you it's know? funny, like you said, not having many. I read a statistic when I was down there, and they said seven percent of San Antonio. seven oh, percent okay. of San Antonio was had electric cars. So I'm thinking, okay, I didn't count every hundred cars and seeing if there's seven. So you've seen them there, but if you got outside Austin, San Antonio. Honestly, like if you were in Midland or Odessa, you, I've none, none, nothing. Like, yeah, that's a tricky one. What would be a good example of that? I don't know. Um, well, having city blocks full of uh, a different um, uh, hockey team living somewhere in a different spot in a city where that hockey team is 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 a different team. I, I'm using that as a poor analysis, but. Um, Guys driving Teslas in in mid Midland yep. is probably not going to happen no, as strong, right? No, no, no. I'm saying it's here. Yeah. Like you, you can look at here and go, you know, like I, I, my brother works in oil and gas, and uh, when he when he when he talks about you know electric vehicles, he's not talking about buying an electric vehicle because he wants to support oil and gas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does look at the price of gas. And go if there's any way for me to save money on that, then I'm going to save money on that. But uh, it would be like me. I used to I used to compare it to him. Every once in a while, I'd be like him listening to another radio station. When I was on the radio, he'd tell me, "Oh, I listen to this radio station." Oh, thanks a lot. I'm going to go buy an electric car. Yeah, I yeah. Go. And he'd go, "Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa." <laughs> you know? Well, it's but just, that's kind of the way you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head because it's the same thing with. Uh, um, if you you gotta you, support the people who you, are around you, you right? not only gotta support the people, yeah. but people don't want to be inconvenienced. So if there's a whole bunch of stuff going on and you're saying I'm all for this rah rah rah, okay, well it, I, I I'm gonna come see you in Calgary on Friday and I don't get there till sa- Sunday because it took me three t- uh, tw- fourteen hours of my trip to charge up my battery. I asked my family in in Europe, and my heart went out to them because they said. Would you continue to live your life this way, basically knowing that you're supporting something that you think you're getting off the grid with oil and gas? And I, I, I never asked her that question, but I thought to myself after, I'll bet you, I'll bet you a steak dinner. Most people are not going to want to live their lives that way based on what Greta Thunberg has told them through the years. They're going to go back to living their lives conveniently and hoping that we just get better and better with our oil and gas. That's fair. And being adults and listening to adults. You know, exactly. I'm not against renewable energy either. I'm not at remotely against it, if it made sense. If it you don't, but you got to take away the government subsidies the, and right. all of this stuff but as well. Now all of a sudden, and this is true right from my family in Europe as well, they don't have trees because then all of a sudden now biomass is yeah. green energy. Are you kidding me? They're chopping down all the trees in right. Athens everywhere. Yeah. There's no more firewood. 
do P and if they actually cared about carbon, like we took this in grade five, you know, the trees that go oxygen, mm -hmm. bring in yeah. carbon, blah, blah, blah. They're cutting down all the trees for wood, but that's biomass. And right. that's green. And that's better that's, than that's running gas in their car. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's an oxymoron. That's, I've, I've oh. never, I don't think I've ever run into anybody who is against green energy. And we've talked to how many people. Oh my goodness! Show. Like yeah. we've talked to how many people doing the work in oil and gas. None of them say I'm against. You know, I, I'm against green energy. They say I'm I'm for green energy, but you have to prove it works. Right. You can't put the the, the cart before the ox. Mm -hmm. And bashing. And that's what everybody seems to be doing. We're just jumping the gun, and look and it's look what has happened to Germany. Yeah. When you jump the gun, this is what happens. You have to have some proof that this is going to be sustainable. Yeah. yeah. And what is sustainable is oil and gas. It's sustainable. When, and, whether, and, you, whether, you, whether you like that or yeah. not, you're still driving to your protest in a gas vehicle. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, and let's also you're bring the environmental issues gas. with that. Like in Provost or just north of Hater uh, there, where those windmills are, I was there when they are putting them up. I do a lot of work there and did. And... I talk to guys, like the looks after it that goes there to pick up these dead birds. I've seen birds fly through there and they drop. I took a picture of one and I got in trouble with it on social media, actually. I remember that, yeah. They you shut got me in down. trouble with it. Oh, I got suspended and they took that uh, thing down. I had a, there was a hawk flying and Chris, came around. Chris, and it was Chris captured it on video. And I seen Clanking the, these hawks. Yeah, the and turbines. I did. I dropped it. I took a picture and I put it on social media saying, like, is that good? Because you look at what happened at Sudcore or Syncrude or whatever it is with, with 500 birds, ducks. Yeah. In the tail and ponds, cost them millions. Yeah, and now this one's just a direct result from these windmills. Ah, oh, that's all right. I I, I don't well, have any. We'll, we'll turn a pipeline or, or hold off on it because we run into a nest. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can't do nothing. Yeah. Well, we had Brian Campbell Until, on uh, talking about that. Remember? And uh, Zinchuk. Yeah. Our, no, no, it was uh, the our, the guy that retired. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he remember he said that he would go and they, they'd have to stop because yes. there was birds' nests and yeah, that because when he was doing his be trenching before they could go in. Martin, so you're getting rid yeah. of all the spring. Yeah. Martin Campbell, Martin I should Campbell. say. Yeah, not Brian Campbell, For, but Martin Campbell. Yeah. Same thing with uh, I. I don't even have a problem with the green energy stuff, uh, of of the challenge of that. But please don't bash oil and gas mm -hmm. while you're trying to tell me how good green is, and then you're using oil and gas to make your green stuff. Or your renewable stuff to get us off oil and gas. You can't do that. Well, I know you can't. You can't tell me that you don't like me, but you're using my stuff so that you can get rid of me. You can't do that. that yep. That's not how the world works. Chris, rigor talk before we finish yes. off. What what's going on there? I mean, you are a going concern on rigor talk. You got a lot of stuff going on out there with a lot of services and that. You've put a lot of time into that. I have. I have. So again, just the reason I built is because I was a guy on the road thinking. It was needed. I was in that big yellow book and I was calling numbers out of it. Nothing was updated. Nothing worked. So I always want real-time information. So I'm like, how do I get that? When did you start it, Chris? It, seven years now. Okay. The website, the app's been out for six. But it took years to, like, it was one, always one of those ideas. Everybody has an idea. But to put it to paper is different because I talked to this guy. No, we can't do that. You want us to manipulate Google Maps and keywords. Can't do that. Finally, I found a guy, great guy. So North Battleford, Mr. Website, MR Websites, and his name's Mike, and he, I sent my wife to him, and he called me that night, he goes, I've been doing, the, doing this for 20 years. He goes, I don't know if I could do it, he goes, but I'd love to do it. 
So from that day on, we built a relationship. He's a great guy. I'm a guy of trust, and I trust him with everything, even with the app. I said, because I didn't think I was going to go with an app, and then after seven months, because that's when, right when it came out, the oil tanked. And I'm just like, oh, how do you get people to go on a website, pay to be on a website, that nobody goes to that website? It's near impossible. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just get everybody on there for free, let them see it. And then I got a phone call after four months, and they said, oh, these guys went bankrupt. And I went, I'm no different than that newspaper. So I wiped off the website and I said, okay, unfortunately you have to pay to be on it because if you're paying for something, even if it's a dollar, you're going to want to care. You're going to want to make sure your keywords are there, split dog nut, whatever your, everything right. that your company does. Because right now, if you just go, you know, even car or Ford, a dealership might come up if they're there or a hotel, anything that pertains to your business, you put on there. And again, I called it rigor talk because like you said, we're losing a lot of professionals in the industry. So I actually wanted it to be a blog for one of those things. You're going to go out and do a nitrified brazier jet job. A lot of guys don't know what it is. So they could all talk That's together right. and get the job done. That's right? Right. right. And from there, nobody was doing anything. It was, we were in a recession at that point too. So we just kind of steered and kept on building more maps, like a job map, equipment map. I became partners with the CAODC, which was really great for the active uh, drilling rig map. So we have a, you know, even we kept on building on the map side and we started seeing more users and more users. And it was funny because when COVID came in, let's just call it C. When it came in, I had 137,000 users and I had a lot of people on it. But within two months, I lost 50 members right off bankruptcy and it, it was sad. And I thought, I don't know what's going to happen with Rager Talk. I just put it on hold. Let's see what happens. And from there, and after three years, today we got over 500,000 users, and people just organically start coming on back, and it, it was really good. So, yeah, it's been an uphill battle, and it's highs and lows like any business, you know, being an mm -hmm. entrepreneur doing stuff. Some days are great, some days are... But I got so many other things going on, like my engineering company, and so I can't focus on everything, so it just does its own thing, and I'm quite happy with it you've been but you come you came to the oil show kurt and i yep. stopped by or walked by there and stuff that you uh you seem to be still passionate about it and Absolutely. you and go, doing the oil shows and uh so a guy goes on rigor talk and he wants to get some services out of out of you what would what would his main move be to do that chris to get your company just for on? our audience no just oh. somebody wanting to go oh, and say it, hey i'm in the, i'm from red deer and i need some guys over here in lloyd to do some work yeah what would you what would you tell the well, guy depending on what it is i just say go to rigor talk just like a search engine it's right built same way and you just enter whatever you need a hotel like i was just in red deer i just typed in hotel oh there's a hotel there you can find any service in seconds you know you want a vac truck and white or uh Lloyd Minister, just type in VAC and it's right there. So you can find any service instantly, but that's what's great about it because it goes back to the actual person that puts their own company on there because they're passionate about their own company. I can't say, okay, you want on. And prime example, I think, well, I won't even say the company. I didn't even know they had, uh, I did this the other day. I needed uh, rod shears, typed in rod shears and I went, oh, these guys got rod shears? I've been using them for years. I had no idea. Hey, you guys got rod shears because they put it in their keywords, right? They care about their, and that's why I put it back to the actual user. So, yeah. Cool. That works out really good. Uh, biggest thing with uh, oil and gas right now, you mentioned there's always new guys coming on sites. 
it's the labor, right? I was going to say that exactly. It's finding people. And especially like when you said about the electric and the uh, gas, you can't do that. We have a prime minister that doesn't support our industry. Downplays it, doing everything to chop us off by the knees. And it's pushed a lot of good guys out of the industry. And they're not coming back. And I don't actually don't blame them. When you have somebody that's not supporting you, and w- yeah. the GDP of oil and gas in our country is, without it, we're done. We know that. Like, you want to see inflation, we're going to see hyperinflation like Venezuela and worse. Mm-hmm. So how do you put down an actual industry that you desperately need? You know, and Phase expect- out. I yeah. believe his words were phase out. Phase out, yeah, phase well, once he's mad, the mics are off. We'll yeah, you know, instead of the gloves, you're off. Yeah. We'll wait for the mics to come off. But yeah. we, but you're right. That when you say phase out, when he starts talking about phase out, yeah. that's going to scare a lot of people away. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You're doing everything, like you said, the pipeline. How many jobs did that lose right there? Not even for we know pipelines are economical and they are green because they're not shipping oil all over the place, like. Put it this way. Do you remember when they actually sh- shipped our oil to uh, BC and it went through the Panama Canal on a yep. barge over to Irvine? That was Why don't we have a pipeline straight there? That was 12,000 miles, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And they said they did it twice. They did it more than twice because this is even more hypocritical of them. They didn't put it in the news, obviously, but they would go to hard to see exactly where he said, and that oil would be pipelined through pipelines, which they said the they don't want when it could have been pipelined to Irving, but it was pipelined there to Chicago and is either getting on a barge in uh, La, Louisiana or Texas, going up to the Panama Canal to fill the void at that Irving refinery. Right. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That is so hypocritical. Yeah, we talked about that on the show that it's they the were going the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, Super Tramp has a song called Take the Long Way Home. Yeah. Talk the Long Way from Home. And I don't know if it's dumber that or biomass, but they're both stupid. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we, we started seeing that coming around with just the different styles and trending of that, that we, it reminds me that I got 50,000 acres of land and it's been a very prosperous time for me. And I, I grow wheat and, and all the different crops and it's been really well for me. And then somebody to come up to me and in seven years, you don't get to farm anymore. Mm-hmm. How do you tell the people in, in the oil and gas industry that we're going to get, you know, using, or how do you tell people in the farming industry, well, we're not going to sell wheat or anything anymore, we're getting out of it. Could you imagine the farmer, what would he say if he had 50,000 acres of land or 10 or 5 or whatever, and saying, in 8 years, we're, we're, or 10 years, we're phasing out your crops, mm-hmm. okay, and, but we're, we're going to keep the country strong. That farmer's going to sit there in his own life and say, what do I do now? How many millions or thousands of people or hundreds of thousands of people in, in Canada are going to sit there and say, first of all, it's so, it's so goofy. You mean to tell me that we've got some of the top oil in the entire world and you want me to not work in that anymore? You're going to put me out of work. What are you going to do to replace that? Mm-hmm. What, what do you guys <clears throat> think of Daniel Smith? That was my, one of our final comments this year that like, I was going to talk. She's, I've been impressed. She has said some stuff that makes you go... I should what have brought in that the quote. World up. Would you, would you say that for like when yeah. she said the, the you know people who didn't get vaccinated were the most oppressed people? Mm-hmm. I mean, what like you can think that sure, but what are you doing? Like you're only going to get yourself in trouble. Like, Absolutely, especially when yeah. you got the masses, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Like like, but but from an energy standpoint, what do you guys think of what Daniel she Smith she just quoted um, yesterday? I read a thing that she said she just quoted that we're not going to take any more. Uh, um, 
orders from Ottawa. And what do you guys all think about that? That was the latest thing that she had put on there. I'm wording it my way, but that's what she'd put on there. That's basically and, what she said. And, and I thought that was a very strong statement. Um, I think Kenny said that many times as well. Can she, can she back that up stronger than what Kenny did? Um, the part that I was, and I talked to a very high political guy, Adam, <laughs> who was involved in that, and I, and I, I commented um, that her greatest thing that, that she faced becoming the, the, the new leader was um, her walk across the caucus floor with her party and decided to join up with the rest of the group when she was Wild Rose. And she has apologized to the massive amount that she could about making a mistake and won't ever do that again. And I think that that's, people have forgiven her for that. So that's great. Now can she... Um, keep talking that way and, and still get away with that. Kenny tried to do that, and I don't think he got away with it, that, you know, we're just not going to put up with Ottawa yeah. anymore. Chris, what, what are your well, thoughts? Well, you know, I, it's really new for her, but I'm impressed. I do like how she's trying to stir it up, and I think that's why she's there. Right? That's why she got in. Yeah. People, you know, because, again, watching the news and all this other propaganda, I feel that we are censored. We don't know what's really going on. And I think she's going to try to get to the bottom of it. And she is trying to work for Alberns. what I see right now. You know, I thought that about Kenny as well. I did too. And to me, I don't want to, we well, won't yeah. get in there. But L let's face it, if COVID doesn't come along, Jason Kenny is still the premier. Yeah, oh, I agree. He, Absolutely. He, and then things, and then he might have the ability to change some things. You know, he might have more credibility, right? I don't know if any premier he lost was, a lot of credibility. Was, was any premier going to stay in of how they would have handled COVID? Well, and, Scott and Moe did pretty darn good. Yeah, that's fair. He but, stayed on the same track, so yeah, yeah. Jason right. Kenny did a one eight. He, we, he, yeah, that's it, right. It, that's fair, Kurt. He that's a good comment. Yeah. So that's kind of why you know, even Danielle, kind of what she brought up with, and I don't know if it's right or wrong with the healthcare system and the WEF, and I'm just like like bringing up the WEF and I'm just thinking what did happen there is that the same time frame as Jason Kenny and then one day I seen that she was trying to get a meeting with Jason Kenny and they said Jason Kenny hasn't responded because and this is all the news this is yeah. stuff that they're feeding us basically well Jason Kenny wasn't happy with her because he had his own replacement for himself so I don't know if any of that's true but what, what I find uh, that we need guys is that um, no matter if that's a new person taking over an organization or a new leader taking over a new party or whatever just in my experience when people talk about what the other person did and how bad they did and what they're going to do to change it i'm not impressed with that leader no nope. that leader needs, needs to come in and say this is what i think we want to do now and never talk about what happened before and just go about going the best they can be, I think is the best way to handle it. Well, I think policies, that's right. Yeah. You elect any elected leader, this is what I'm going to do. Not, not, no, invite or uh, vote for me because I'm better than him. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not about that. It's what's best for the country, GDP, whatever it is, whatever aspect they're going in. You can't elect me because I'm better than him. You so know? you're going to keep consulting for a while, Chris? Uh, yeah, no, for sure I am. Yes, I... Is that what's going to, you've you're, you're got a few off things in the fire? Yes, so. off and on. I'm going to be doing some consulting for these companies out of we're doing. I got some guys in the field working right now through Canada. I got a meeting in Calgary tomorrow with an oil company doing some of their abandonments and stuff like that. So I don't know, I, I'm like a squirrel. Like I literally got ADHD that I can't sit back and just do nothing. Yeah. That's just who I am.
and I, I personally think we're going to be. Uh, people want to want to talk about uh, goals that they want to do to phase their stuff out. You're, you're not going to phase us out. We're just going to keep coming at oh, you no. stronger and better than ever. Unless somebody comes to your house and say, "Hey, give up your house and all your clothes and go run," and we're, we need oil and gas. Yeah. Bottom line. Until we don't, then I'll probably it'll be, be working it'll be in that long, industry. Long, long before it, my grandson, he'll it'll yeah. still be around back when he's doing what he's exactly. doing. Exactly. So. Thanks so much, Chris, for Absolutely. joining us Thank here on the sure. show. Very, Thanks, very nice Chris. meeting you. And again, you guys have a great day. You too. So we'll be back with Patchwork in uh, November. We've lined up a whole... The, the oil show really helped us line up uh, some guests as well. So we'll be back with Patchwork in November. And I will be back with you on uh, Thursday. And we're going to talk Stockade Roundup with uh, Gord King and Dana LaRouche. That comes your way 11 o'clock Thursday morning right here from the new Lloydminster Nissan.